Thanks for listening to Hope Central's latest message. You can learn more about Hope Central or find more messages at hopecentral.org.au. Hey, great to see you guys uh, this morning and, uh, you know, some faces I haven't seen for a while, so welcome back and welcome to be part of the family. We're, we're in the middle of a series this year talking about being a healthy church and uh, based on the last three parables, stories that Jesus told, uh, parable of the virgins, parable of the talents, and parable of the sheep and the goats, and we're learning these three things. One is a passion for Jesus, which we're going to pick up again next month. And then the second one is a passion for fruitfulness. So just a desire to produce as much goodness, you know, to be the person, the gift that you're meant to be. And then the third thing is about uh, a compassion for other people. And that's what we're talking about this month. And we've been getting great advice from different people about what it takes to be a person who continually supports other people and cares for people. Because you know what? It's actually quite hard. Um, I want to share with you some thoughts today that... um, I've, I've shared this idea around the place every time I run into people who are tired. Every time I run into people who are um, kind of worn out from caring for other people and feeling like withdrawing. This message I'm going to share with you today will be very empowering because it'll be releasing. It's going to put a lot more power back in your own hand and it's going to express a lot more gratitude and generosity in your own life. I've, um, I've been serving people, I think, for quite a long time. Now, you might think I do a lousy job of that. You might think I don't do enough for you. But my desire has been to serve the Lord Jesus Christ by, by building his church, by helping his people grow. And I've been doing that now for uh, too long to even mention. Uh, this is not a time for boasting. But, it, it, you know, it wears you out. People, people wear you out. You're exhausting. I just got <laughs> to stay... Just why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them you are exhausting. All right. you, you, okay. Just. All right. Okay. All right. It's a little bit too excited. Okay. Too much enthusiasm with that message. Too much. Uh, too much digging in. All right. This isn't your chance for payback. People. People are a burden. Caring for other people is a burden at times. And, and, and I know that's it modeled in my own life. I, I grew up in a family where our youngest, my youngest sister has an intellectual disability. And it was exhausting for my mom. It was exhausting for my dad. It was exhausting for us as a family. It was, we were always having to take care of her needs first. We had to care for her. She was never going to be the contributor that the rest of the kids were going to be. And, and it's, just, it's just tiring. And, and being a person who serves in church, I mean, like I caught a constantly give and I never get a choice about what people do in response. I never do. You know, I, honestly, I've, I've got to tell you, sometimes I have preached, because, like, you know what it's, you know, they say when you, you know, when, it, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail? You know, like, so, you know, so, yeah, I, you know, well, I, well I'm, a, I'm a preacher, so I just feel like I can fix everything with preaching. So sometimes I'll preach, and I'll just, I will just think, I can fix every problem that's happening in your life, in this moment, if you just listen to me, and then obey me in everything I say, right? And so sometimes I will preach my guts out. Like, seriously, I will lay out the most embarrassing stories of my life and declare all kinds of things that would shame any other person and all on on YouTube right now, okay? Forever, (laughs) forever. And I'm going for it. And everybody's responding with a, eh. Or the Australian version, which is, you laugh at me. You know, <laughs> isn't that amazing? He's awesome too, just like I am. No, you think I suck, and and it's true. 
You see, sometimes it's hard to continually pour yourself out. And I've traveled and done, you know, missions trips and been in places where the burden of the community is far more than it is in the Australian church. Um, in Papua New Guinea, a few times I've been there, and, and I just have to get the, uh, the, the missionaries, the volunteers, the staff, the, the uh, pastors and leaders, and get them together and, and share this idea with them because they're getting exhausted because they've lost control. They've lost control of the take. You see, we're talking about how to carry a burden today, and I want to talk to you about how to stay generous, how to stay a giving person, because we feel like we live in a, in a land of vampires. Everybody wants to suck our blood, and you've only got so much blood, and it doesn't replenish at a rate that everybody else wants to take it. So it's hard at times to be constantly giving. And I want to talk today about this. You know, Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, he says, Brothers, if anyone's caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. But keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, you so you fulfill the law of Christ. You see, bearing the burdens of other people is the normal behavior for every Christian. It is normal for us to have to carry the weaknesses, the insecurities, the fears, the inabilities of other people. As they grow and mature, there will be plenty of time where they can't contribute. And we just have to bear their burdens. We don't have a choice. But notice there's a warning a veiled warning in there. You have to do it nicely in the spirit of gentleness because at some point in your generosity, in your helping others, you are going to want to hold them by the throat and strangle them and say, why can't you get this? It's simple. And it's not simple for them. And by being aggressive, by being overpowering, by being demanding, you actually push them farther into immaturity. Because you make it seem like there's something wrong with them that they'll never solve. And that the salvation that Jesus offers isn't enough. And that they need to work harder just like you worked harder. And then it becomes about you and not about them. So we have to keep this in mind. That there are, there are warnings about serving other people that I don't think are often adhered to. There's this passage where Jesus talks and it, it has one of the most... Uh, commonly repeated phrases from Jesus, the phrase, turn the other cheek. But it's, it's embedded in this teaching on generosity that Jesus gives. And he says, he says in Luke chapter 6, he says, judge not and you won't be judged, condemn not and you won't be condemned, forgive and you will be forgiven, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So I want you to see this. You are a chronic measurer. We always are. We are, we are judgment machines. We are always deciding who is worthy and what we should give them, and we are always measuring whether or not that person is worthy of our contribution. And so Jesus says, if you're going to survive in this world, you have to shut your judgment off. Because judging doesn't help. And here's the point. If you judge other people, you will always feel judged yourself. And if you don't forgive other people, you will never feel forgiven. And if you don't give, then you will always feel like nothing's been given to you. Because with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. And guess what? It won't be just measured back the same. It'll be pressed down shaken together and overflowing. So if you sow judgment in the world, if you look at people and go, what's the matter with them? Then you don't experience the same judgment you gave. You get a magnified version of that judgment. But if you are generous, 
if you're compassionate, if you're merciful, if you look at their faults and wipe them away, if you forgive as you've been forgiven, the more you do that, it more overflows in your own life. The more you give, the more generosity overflows in your own heart because we are kind of in control of how it happens. He tells them this parable. It's a very important parable, and it's usually never emphasized. But he says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, is going to be like his teacher. So what's his advice? Be very careful who you're following. Be really, 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 really careful who is giving you advice on this. I, uh, I used to work for De- Vancouver Teen Challenge. And uh, when I was working for Teen Challenge, um, I would occasionally, like the other staff people would do, we would, we would go out into the streets with um, like invitations, you know, telling people about what it is. Anytime we found a, a street kid or a gang member or something like that, we you know, hand all this information, come and see us at our drop-in center, we'll give you some soup and stuff, and it's great. You'll be like, you'll look at, hang out with us. So every time I would go out, every single time, the streets of Vancouver, especially down Granville Street, would just be full of people that were begging. And some of them are professional beggars. They would be there all of the time, and they would be asking for stuff. And I would, every single time I go, I just couldn't do it. I, I was grazed in a suburb of a suburb. I'd never seen this many homeless people and people with mental health problems. I drug addicts. I didn't see, I'd never seen it, so I just always, like, rifling my money out, giving my money out. And my boss, who'd been working for Teen Challenge for years, he said, don't do that. Don't you know they're just going to go and blow it on drugs? Don't you know they're just going to go and booze it away? I never give to anybody anymore. Now, he was trying to help me to show what a waste it was. But his advice was not like Jesus's. And if I followed him, I would have made a chronic and a bad mistake for my own heart. There's this saying, look out for number one. If you don't, no one else will. It's actually pretty well known. Anybody hear that phrase, look out for number one? Isn't it? We've all heard it, right? We've all heard it. And you know who said it first? This guy, Arnold Rothstein. And we think, well, he kind of looks pretty good there. He's got a bow tie. How bad can he be? (laughs) Arnold Rothstein was one of the mob leaders in New York. He led the Jewish mob. They called him the brain because he took normal mob thuggery and turned it into a business. He made so much money taking advantage of the weak. And the world follows that guy's advice. Look out for number one. But I'll tell you this. Every time you feel like people are taking advantage of you, you're going to hear this in your head. Look out for number one. And if you follow that coach, you are like following a blind man into a pit. Of course, you might want to follow Rodney Dangerfield, who said, look out for number one. Try not to step in number two. (laughs) Okay. Here is the standard models, three models of reciprocity, giving and receiving. There are people in the world that are takers. There are people in the world who are givers. It's really important that givers marry takers. Takers marry givers, otherwise there's no peace. No, just kidding. And then there's people who are matchers. Whatever you give, take, take, give, equal, always equal. Now, those three models are the models of advice that you're going to get anywhere in this world. They will tell you 
that you need to become a better matcher because matching is the way to live. I want to tell you this, absolutely, that is like following the blind because you will fall into a pit. The advice is never to become a matcher. In fact, Jesus said, I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other one also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Which basically means if he took your outer garment, give him your inner garment too. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back as you would wish that others would do to you, do also to them. You see, that was my problem with what my, my friend, my boss, had said. He said, don't give to the people who are begging from you. And I said, you are saying what Jesus said not to do. He said, well, they're just taking advantage of you. But it's Jesus. And you're not Jesus. You can't give me this kind of advice because you are telling me that's something that's the opposite. I know it doesn't make any sense. I know I'm not supposed to give to people who are going to go and drink it away. But I can't stop from giving because he said to give. And by the way, he said to love your enemies, which is also bonkers. And then he said something else. If people smack you in the mouth, give them the other side of your mouth to smack. What? You see, Jesus is actually talking something about far more important than just the shape of your cheek. He's not, he's not talking about your physical, about the outcome to your cheek. He's talking about the outcome to your heart. And, and so he goes on, he says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For sinners love those who love them. I mean, go find the average mobster. He's going to love the people who love him. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what benefits that in you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend it to those from whom you expect to receive... What credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners you get to get back the same amount. But love your enemies. And here, listen, here is very important. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. But it doesn't stop there. Because Jesus never stops without the fullness of the promise that's fulfilled in ultimate time. And he says then your reward will be great. And you will be sons and daughters of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. He's saying, pick up a hint. Pick up a hint. Does God love you unconditionally? Does God give to you even though you're all take, 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 take? Yes, he does. And he constantly helps out not even those who just take from him, but those who are mean to him, those who are his enemies, God generously gives to. So take a leaf out of his book because God sees the end from the beginning and he knows what ultimately happens to human beings who withdraw. So, your choice or your reaction. Are you living a life of choice or reaction? That's why Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Because your options are, you just get slapped. Or two, you can give a slap back. Some of you are fantastic at that. You know, like you, if somebody put you in a slap draw, you know, put you on a, put in some Wild West scene on a dusty street, you know, and people have their hands in their pockets and they're standing a foot from each other. Someone slaps you, you're super slappers. 
And some of you are sneaky slappers. You take the slap. You get them back. You sabotage their lives, their reputation. You, you know, you're a revenger. See, so we're all got our own sort of instinct response, but then some of us are just, let's get out of arm's reach. I don't want to get slapped again. These people, they just take from me, and I'm not coming back for more. No. Who wants to go to a buffet where they take stuff off your plate? I ain't doing it. So I'm just going to get out of the way. Nobody can reach my stuff on my plate. Thank you very much. I'm going to go in my withdrawal. You know, just saw the, the statistics from the Australian uh, Bureau of Statistics from the ACNC. They said that in, from 2018 to 2023, volunteering in Australia has dropped by 600,000 people in five years. Keep going at that rate and we'll never go out of our houses. People are withdrawing constantly because they don't want to have to care about anybody but themselves. And that's what Jesus is saying. No, you can actually make a choice here in life, and you can make this choice that you can always love the person who slaps you. The person who's taking from you, you can make that choice. And the problem is we live a life of reaction instead of choice. Uh, Victor um, Frankl said, between stimulus and response, there's space. And in that space lies our freedom and power to choose our responses in our response lies our growth and our freedom. See, recognizing that you have a choice, you don't just have to stop. You don't just have to. But what do you do when you feel like people are taking from you too much? Well, I want to give you this advice that Paul talks about in Corinthians. He, he says this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Basically saying, whatever you do, you're going to get a lot more of that back. It's just going to come to your life. Just the way Jesus said, give and it'll be given unto you. If you show forgiveness, you'll receive for in exactly the same way. Now, everybody thinks this is talking about money, and it is in this passage, but Jesus wasn't talking about money. He's talking about life, a life of generosity, a life of giving love, a life of giving care, a life of giving support, a life also of giving your finances and your time and your talents. He's always talking about giving, and in this passage, it's the same. He's saying, if you give, but he says, each must give as he's decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, this is probably not a message that you'll hear in a lot of churches because most pastors just want you to give and they don't care whether you're willing to. But I really care. If you don't want to give, don't give. Please don't. Keep your money. Keep your talents. Keep your time. Put them in your pockets. Put them in your life. If you don't really want to give, don't give. Please stop now because I want something better for you. I want you to make a choice. I want you to be a worshiper. I want you to love to give, want to give. And I'm not going to twist your arm about promises from heaven. I'm not going to twist your arm about, oh, those poor kids in the children's ministry, they need more teachers. Don't you care? You see, all we do is make people do things that don't really want to do things, but that's never been God's vision for our lives. He wants us to be free. And see, those three words, you can be reluctant to give, which is the Greek word lupe. You ever feel like you're going crazy? <laughs> I'm going to lupe. But that means you're giving out of heaviness, giving out of pain, giving out of sorrow. 
He also says you're compelled to give, which is NNK, which means to need to or have to give. That's the way you feel about your family a lot. Ah, I need to. We've got to have them over again. Yeah. We've got to buy them a gift. Ooh. You know, like that's need to, have to. Otherwise, the consequences are just too high. But then there's this other word, cheerfully give, and it's actually the word hilarious. It's hilarious. That is hilarious. Look at those people giving away all their time and talent and money. That's ah, so funny. Exactly. Have you ever felt that kind of glee that just makes you laugh because it's so crazy? It's the feeling that you laugh when you're about to feel like you're going to die. When you go over the top of the roller coaster and you lose all control and you... (laughs) It's the exact Greek word. Your blood is pumping and you're just thrilled to do it. That's so exciting. So so Paul has this problem. The reason he's talking like this to the Corinthians is because he's got a problem. Got a problem with the Corinthians. It's his Corinthian conundrum. I coined that little trademark next to that. Don't use it or I'll sue you. Now, <laughs> Corinthian conundrum is this. It's the only time Paul did this, but his missionary travels go city to city. So now he's gone to the city of Corinth. But these people, uh, they're pretty concerned about money. And they th- he thinks, if I go in there and preach the gospel and expect them to help me, it's going to kind of corrupt the message. So I'm going to go this time. I'm not going to ask for money church of philippi paid his bills so he goes in there charged them zip nothing so you know what you did they did well, they took total advantage of that they took total advantage in fact paul has this problem now where they don't think that he's worthy of their support or their gratitude even and so he's got this problem he's created by his own generosity because he gave to them they now demand from him <laughs> so he writes to them logically reasonably to explain his choice. Because he says to them, if we had sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share in this rightful claim on you, do we not even more? Nevertheless, we've not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you see how he's worried about the obstacle? So he says, I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't ask you for a cent. In fact, I'm not even asking for you for a cent now. I'm not going to do it. But I want you to understand this. I have a right. I have a right. Now, he goes on, he says, but I've made no use of any of these rights. And nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. Basically, he's saying, I'm not saying this now so that you start giving me stuff. He says, for I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. For if I do this, this charity thing that he's doing of giving it for free, he says, of my own will, then I have a reward. But if not my own will, well, I still got entrusted with the stewardship. So then what is my reward? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. Now, that might be quite confusing to you, especially if you're not used to Paul's writings and some of these things. So did you go to sleep then? Wake up! Wake up. Pastor Joe is about to lay his heart on the sleeve again. Here are the problems. 
The occupational hazard for generosity is that others will take your generosity and demand it not, well, as a, as a demand, not a gift. You have to do this for me. You must do this for me. And you are going to end up feeling used. Every single time this happens, you end up feeling used. I mean, take a time in your work life where you've, where you've not done more for the boss or more for the customer or you contributed more, your talents, your time, your skills, your investment, and then they go, oh, that's great, thank you very much, but then treat you like dirt. And the second that happens, you feel like withdrawing, don't you? Because you took my gift and you made it a demand. Now I don't want to give it anymore. So what do you do? Well, Paul has these four things. And I think, honestly, this, if you understand these four things, it will help you so much in your life. And the first thing is this, that Paul taught these four things in that passage. He said, you've got to know your rights. Because other people take from you, they say you have no right to keep it. And when people are taking from you, then you are not giving. You are simply having your life stripped from you, your generosity stripped from you. And you need to understand that God has given you rights. You have the right to keep your own property. You do. God is not going to take your property from you. You have a right to have it. You have a right to your time. You have a right to the autonomy of your own life, to choose to do what you will. You have a right to spend time with this person and not that person. You have a right to have a peaceful house. You have a right. You have rights. I want you to understand this. People take from you. They are abusing you. But you have rights And it's very important that you understand this right because if you don't know that you have a right to keep it, then you can't give it. Do you hear me? You hear me? If you don't know you have a right to something, then there's so many people in life that are just constantly, this person demands that and this person demands that. and And you end up feeling so insecure and so weak that you have no voice and you can't say to your wife, to your husband, to your children, to your parents, to your employer, to your friends, stop. You can't take this from me. But you have a right to yourself because Jesus Christ paid for you. He gives you back to you. And the second thing is also, you have rights, but you also have a stewardship. There are things in your life that God has entrusted to you. You have gifts and talents, and they are up to you to choose when and how you use them, but they are to be used. You can't say, well, I've been given these gifts and these talents and this money and this ability, and it's all for me. No, no, no. God gave you a stewardship. God gave you an ability so that you could help others. And if you know that what you're doing in your life is expressing the stewardship of what God has deposited in your life, you get your power back. You say, God called me to do this. That's why I can get up here and preach. And I don't care if you respond or not. (laughs) It's hilarious. Because I don't care. Because I'm doing it because Jesus said to. So, Right? So I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it to an empty room. I don't care. I'm just going to show up. 
If you show up, fantastic. But you see, I got a stewardship. I have to do it. So it's not, it's not an expression of someone stripping something from me. It's me recognizing God has called me to something. And I can do that. And then thirdly, you need to make your own decisions. Paul doesn't say, well, you guys pressured me, or you demanded this, or you demanded that. And he said, no, 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 no. You guys don't get to make any choices what, what I do and I don't do. And in fact, even though I didn't charge you, and I probably now should, I'm not going to do that either. Because I'm in charge of me. I'm going to do what Jesus wants me to do. And so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make up my own mind. My response, if you slap me on the cheek, my response is going to be give to you. That's my response. Because it's my choice. And last... You need to expect your reward. Expect your reward. Because what you have given in generosity will be returned to you. If not in this life, then in the life to come. I'll tell you what, I'm building a mansion in heaven. Well, and I'm not. Jesus is. He's a way better builder than me. But he is returning to my life. Now, so this is what I tell. Oftentimes when I'm on the mission field, I'm telling these missionaries because they're not getting any return on this. In fact, sometimes I work with some of the most talented people that you'll ever meet, and they're missionaries. And they could make a mountain of money if they just work for themselves. But they don't. They give their life to Christ, and they serve people cross-culturally. I know people who have... I met, I met these guys one time. I was at Bible college, and this fantastic couple came to the Bible college, and I was teaching them, and after a while, their, their English wasn't great, so it took a while for me to get to know them. They had hiked over three mountain ranges to get to the Bible college and left behind three children in the care of their family so they could be trained in the Lord. These were gifted people. They could have done anything. But they were giving their lives away, but not for nothing. They were expecting a reward. They were expecting to be in the fellowship of the glory of Jesus Christ in eternity. And they didn't want their reward in this world. They wanted it in the next. And my friends, sometimes you forget. When you are giving to people out of your own choice, God sees and God rewards And when you go, well, those people aren't giving back to me. Those people aren't helping. Those people aren't giving me the respect, the comfort, the help that I need. And you want to stop. You're stopping your reward. You're stopping what God wants to give you. Don't give so that other people give back to you. Give so that you share in the goodness of God. And so Jesus said, the king, when he talked about the parable of the sheep and the goats, The king said to those on his right, come who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. He just, I mean, he could talk about a thousand things, but Jesus is saying, you cared. You cared, but the reward that you got was not on this earth. You get to come into your inheritance. Your inheritance is in heaven. It's not here, so stop expecting the reward here. Serve for there, because Jesus Christ will pay you back more than any person could. He is going to give to you, but it's not in the gold and the glory and the prestige of this world. It's in the prestige of the next, and that's why we serve. And you see, I want you to know that if you don't know Jesus, that God has done this exact thing for you. He loved his enemies and did good to us. And he lent to us his son on the cross and he expected nothing in return. But his reward is going to be great because he is the son of the most high. 
he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. It's just like it says in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person why might dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. My friends, listen to me. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you know nothing about love and generosity. Because Jesus Christ is God's gift to you so that you could have eternal life. And he didn't do it because you were worthy. He didn't do it because you were, you know, oh, look, look, at that person deserves my help. That person's a good person. No, we were all bad. We were all wicked. We we're all evil. We we're all takers. And God gives. And God gave his son for us so that we could have eternal life. And God wants you to have eternal life. He wants you to receive his gift. He wants you to know him. His love is reaching out to you so that you can have this gift of eternal life and walk in it. And you also will pick up his character, his generous character. And you will walk not just in fellowship with him in this life, but in the life that is to come. Will you join me in prayer? Father... I know that it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. There's so many things that we give, we serve, we try, we help. There's people around us, Lord, that are just difficult at times. It's hard to live in this world without feeling like we need to withdraw and just move into that circle of people that we know if we give to them, they'll give back to us. And if we, if we uh, befriend them, they'll befriend us back. And if, we, if we're patient with them, they'll be patient with us. But... Lord, you're calling us out of that life. And you don't want us to live in these, in these huddles and, and little hovels where the only people that we give to are those who will pay us back. So Lord, we pray that you'd set us free from judgment, set us free from unforgiveness, set us free from measuring how we give. And I pray that you would give us that life, that spirit of generosity so that we give we give, that we turn the other cheek and we give people. Lord, I pray that you would return to people right now the knowledge that they have a right, that they are a living person before you and they have a right to choose. Lord, I pray that you would lead us to make the same generous decisions that you make and that we would become like you in everything that we do. And Lord, for people who are, need to know you today, I pray, Lord, that you would open up their heart to the knowledge that you are a forgiving God and that you want them to be your friend. Lord, I pray that you would draw people now to yourself and that you would open up their hearts to receive the gift of your Holy Spirit so they can know you like their own Father. So, Lord, I pray for this blessing upon us now. God, make us to be generous people, understanding our rights and our rewards. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.